Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. This is Mike Shoemate's evening sermon from January 19th, 2020. It is from a series based letter to the Ephesians. The sermon is titled, Put on the New Self, and uses Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 as the focused text. Gloria's back. Gloria and Tom back there. That brings a smile to my face. Tonight we're in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, or you can just look up on the screen and we'll all be the same place. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must, not, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continued lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you've heard of him and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbors for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those who are in need. Would you pray pray with me, please? Father, we come to one of those tough places. And you put it in your word so that we could learn it. And I pray that you help us do that. That we come away with an understanding of what it means to live in you. Thank you for Jesus. I ask you to help me get out of the way so that people can see you in Christ's name. Amen. As a lot of you know, my daughter and son-in-law and the two cutest grandchildren in the world live in Chicago, just north of Chicago, to be honest. So I thought I would give you a little test about Chicago. This is downtown 
Chicago. Now, I want you to really concentrate on there's something here that doesn't belong. I want you to look real hard. And I'm going to give you little hints on the way and see if you can figure it out. When this picture was taken, it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. At 2.30, the roads will be bumper to bumper with cars and people rushing home. A horse does not travel as fast as a car. So, have you figured out what doesn't belong here? The horse and carriage. It, it's a tourist thing. If you get on that, you only have to pay $50 an hour. I mean, it's cheap travel in Chicago. But did you ever feel that something was going on in church that just didn't belong here? That's where Paul's coming from tonight. He starts out in a unique way. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now the reason that's underlined is because Ephesians is written to Gentile converts. And how to get along with their Jewish counterparts who are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And here he's saying, don't live like the other Gentiles who have this futility thinking, who are darkened in their understanding, who are separated from the love of God, the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity and given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. What would you do if you received a letter like this? That's a tough letter. Now, I want to help. And I can only help by going through verse 22, 23, and 24 of the chapter. And tell you all, it is in the aorist tense in the original language Greek. Greek is what the New Testament is written. And when you say aorist tense, you're talking about something that happened once for all time. So what's Paul doing? When he sits there and talks about how the the Gentiles live, what he is doing is saying, y'all remember what it was like before you were a Christian? Y'all remember? You remember the life you lived before you were a Christian? What it was like? He did this back in chapter 2, you remember? In chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air that is now at work in those who are disobedient. Remember that beginning? And what he was saying is, Jews, don't get on your high horse that you can disqualify the Gentiles. You're like they are. You haven't followed God either. And now he's telling The Gentiles, the same thing. Don't get on your high horse and say, yeah, they had all these advantages. They had the law. 
They had the prophets. They had Moses. We didn't have any of that. They had all these advantages, and look where they ended up. He said, don't you do that because you're forgetting where you came from. Where you came from was living a life where God didn't have a part in it. And now he does. He's telling them, listen, you've become a Christian, so put on the new man. The old man's to go away. Put on the new man. It's a word that means to exchange, but when it's involved in clothing, what it's saying is you take off the old clothing and you put on a, a completely new set of clothing. When I was sitting at home this afternoon, I did not have a tie on. I didn't have a shirt on. I just sat there watching the ball game. Then Tennessee started losing, so I said, I'll just go get dressed and get go to church. But that's what he's saying. Take off the old clothes where there was a hatred between you and the Jews. Take off the old clothes where you got into doing things that you shouldn't do and you knew you shouldn't do them. Take off that part of the life and live a new life. That's what he says. You used to live in futility. Don't now. You were darkened in your understanding. You don't have to be now. They were ignorant. You shouldn't be now. You've come to know Christ. And because you've known how to, how to live different and you've come to know Christ, you can look back on that life and say, boy, that was an empty life. It was always struggling to find something that made you feel worthwhile. The trouble with living this kind of life is you always have to have something new because the thrill will go away very fast on something old. If y'all remember, that was your life. Because that was your life, you should be changing lives. I use Colossians because Colossians is a parallel book. A parallel book, it's written by the same author on the same theme. And in chapter 3, he's there talking about taking off, putting on, getting rid of, adding to. You take off the old practice such as malice, slander, filthy language, don't lie to each other. You've taken off that old self with its practices. And now you have a new self, which is renewed in the knowledge of the Creator. You take off the old life, you put on the new life. He's saying the same thing to a different group of people. Remember where you were? Remember what you did? You got to put on the new man now. You can't act like you did back then. It's going to be a short sermon because I'm losing my voice already. <laughs> That's okay. Now we get into the, the details of what he's talking about. You didn't come to know Christ that way. 
When you live that way of life, Christ wasn't really appealing to you at all. You did what everybody else did. You lived the life like everybody else, but you heard of him. And somebody taught you in him about your former way of life. To put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new in the attitude of your minds. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that's, that's good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But let's see if we can get to apply it. Therefore, I, I wanted to emphasize this point a little bit. I hope you can figure that out. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now the reason I want you to see this is this is Christian language. He's not talking to outsiders. He's not talking to those who don't know Christ. He's not talking to people who are not members of the body. He's talking about people who are members of the body. And he tells us to do some stuff that, that's hard to do. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Since Chuck is leading singing today and I'm, I'm doing the preaching afterwards, I won't pick on him. Chuck and I get mad at each other. That would be so foolish for me. <laughs> when I look at Chuck, when I talk to Chuck, I have to do this. So, you know, he gets squash me with a hand. <laughs> but we don't get mad and stay mad at each other. We are to solve that thing before the sun goes down. Now a lot of people come up and say, well, my wife and I have got this great little thing. We don't stay angry with each other until the sun goes down. Or we don't go to bed until the sun goes down. That, that's a good plan. Uh, there are some, fat, some people who fight all the time and I'll tell them at 6.30 it's over. You can't say another word about it. You can't mumble it. You can't remember it. You can't act on it. It's over. But that's not what this is talking about. This is church stuff. These are us. And if Chuck and I are mad at each other, he said, you make it a priority to get it straight. Why? If you don't, you give the devil a real advantage. He can take the anger of one or both of us and use it. He can have, Chuck can have his side. I'm going to take his side because there are more people. <sighs> and I've got William III over here. That helps. You're almost the same size as Chuck. And they're all on Chuck's side and we're all on my side. And where we are is we are so divided and so hateful that a person who walks through the door can tell it. 
get there. Don't act like you don't know who Jesus is. Because when you do, you're just inviting him in. You're inviting Satan to come in and do what he wants to do. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. But he must work. So he has something useful with his own hands that he may share with those who are in need. I love John R. W. Stott, the way he puts this one. John R. W. Stott says, stop sponging off the church. Go to work so you can share with people who really have a need. I'm not that bold, but John W. R. Stott is. But that's what he's talking about. There are people who would go to the church and take off them when they were just, they could have worked. And he said, when you get selfish like that and you say, well, this is what I want, and you don't think of those people who are really in need, and you're just serving yourself, that's not a Christian way. That's not the way we do it. We think of others, not just ourselves. So he's really getting down to, do you understand what it really means to be a body? One body. Where you think of each other before you think of yourself. When you love each other more than you love yourself. When you tolerate and you swallow some pride and, and you make things right. It's not easy to, to live that kind of life, but it's the kind of life Jesus lived. This happened in China, supposedly. It was told by a missionary who went to China. In China, you had to pump the rice fields full of water every day. And if you were poor, which most of them are who grow rice, you had to set up a pump without electricity, which meant you got onto a makeshift bicycle and you pedal the thing which would turn the pump, which would pump the water into your rice field. The guy on the hill was a Christian, but the guy under, well, he was a Christian too, but when he got his, his crop filled with water, his neighbor would go up and put a hole in the dike and the water would run down into his field. Got to be a hot issue for a while. But the guy on the top who kept losing after he had worked so hard, kept losing all that labor, decided he wasn't going to have his water taken. And the way he figured out he wouldn't get his water taken is he filled the neighbor's rice field first. Now there was no reason to take his water. And the two could love each other. 
God gives us instructions like that. To love some people that are, at times, pretty unlovable. To care about people that sometimes you would rather not. I talked about that. You see, the church, the church, it's not a place to come to worship. We worship every day with the lives we live. We worship every day with the people we are. Here's the family reunion. Here we come together to encourage each other. Here we come together to let each other know what it's like. We've been through the same week with the same world that you all have been through. And we just sort of want to hug each other and encourage each other and let each other know, hey, it's worth it. We're family. And Ephesians is going to say that over and over and over again. We're family. We've got to act like it. When you get angry with a brother or sister, solve it. Your family. When you, you want just for you and you want your way all the time, swallow your pride. We're family. And when we're family, we try to live the way Christ would live and be the person that Christ was here on earth. Tonight, if you've never repented of your sins and been baptized for the remission of sins, we can do that tonight. But this is Sunday night. And Sunday night, you get a double dose of me. So you knew this was coming. Look at your life. Do you see each other as part of your family? Do you treat each other that way? Is that a, a daily commitment in your life? If it's not, there's not a better time to make it one. So if we can help you get your life on course with Christ, won't you come? Why together we stand and sing.